Welcome back, y'all. We have made it to the fifth episode of the Let's Be Real podcast. This is your host, Jessica Brown, and I'm just going to be super transparent with y'all. The very first 20 minutes of this interview is trash audio, and I am so sorry, but the actual content of the podcast is very high quality, so (laughs) please bear with me as I completely just drench myself in all the learnings of podcast. We started this interview and I literally missed one button that made this audio muffled. And so I'm going to desperately try to fix it in editing, but if not, and you hear the major difference when we finally, when I finally figured it out, um, please just disregard and bear with me. (laughs) Thank you all so much for listening and let's get into it. Okay, so today I am interviewing Amber Silva. She's a pediatric speech language pathologist who works with kids ages birth to 21. She owns and operates an outpatient pediatric therapy clinic that offers occupational speech and physical therapy that contracts with schools and daycares, as well as offering in-home therapy. In addition, she's also a mom to two little boys and she's a wife of 16 years. She loves cooking, entertaining, exercising, and hiking in her free time. I can't wait for y'all to hear what she has for us today. So today we're talking about moms with kids who possibly have developmental delays, or they absolutely have developmental delays that we are in denial of, (laughs) or we just don't talk about it. We don't know how to address it. We think that they'll just grow out of it. And (laughs) we don't know what it is. Um, So yeah, it's kind of hard to put a name on it, but Amber is here. This is exactly what she does. This is what she went to school for. This is her business. And so I'm going to let you kind of take it from here, Amber, and just kind of explain um, exactly what we're talking about, the things that you did to even get into this and why, why you got into this. And even now as a mom, how this means so much to you. So, <laughs> just start over. Okay. Do I start? Do you want me to start with like, um, like I went to school to cover County? Like start there, maybe. That would be perfect. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I grew up going to First Pentecostal Church. I'm fourth and fifth generation in the, in our church. So I've been around for a long time. I went to our church school. My grandparents went to our church school. So we've kind of been through the whole uh, gamut of it back when it was like. Buckeye and Runyon and all of that. I didn't know that your yeah. grandparents yeah. were there. That's awesome. Yeah. So been around for a long time. Well, I went to Calvary Academy growing up. Um, I always struggled in school. Um, I was kind of the CB kid, but studied really hard, still made C's and D's. Was not a great reader. I think I, I remember my mom dropping me off for reading tutoring as a kid. Um, so just kind of struggled all through school. Didn't think I was the brightest star, always loved kids, um, did some Botech in high school, got married early. What's Botech? Botech. So, Botech. What's so, that? So that's where they have partners with like, they probably call it something different now. Let's hop oh, that's now. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've been out of school for almost 20 years now. So it's weird to say <laughs> it's that. It's so weird. Um, so I just did like college credits in high school. I see. Okay. So yeah. like how they're partnered with Plasky Tech. Um, anyways. I got married early, moved to Mississippi, started my 
I just always knew that I wanted to go to college. Didn't specifically know what I wanted to do. Um, I remember having a conversation with someone about his sister was an occupational therapist. And I was like, wow, what is that? And he was like, you work with kids. She works with kids. She's very artistic. They get to play all day. And I was like, oh, that sounds fun. I love kids, but I am not that smart. I can't do it. There's no way. It was a master's degree. This was back in like 2006. And I was like, that is a lot of school. There's no way I can do that. <laughs> um, so I, anyways, I got married, moved to Mississippi. I started at just a community college there. Fell in love with it. And then I transferred, or actually, my husband Alex was deployed, and I oh, moved yeah. back to Arkansas, and went to Pulaski Tech, finished my two years, and then transferred to UALR, and finished my bachelor's. And then I ended up getting into the Rad Tech program, and I realized this is not what I want to do. Yeah, it doesn't have anything to do with. I mean, it could if you work with these, but. Didn't have anything to do with kids. I'd be in a dark room all day. Like, this is not my personality. Right. At that time, I had been working at a daycare. And um, one of my good friends, Natalie Brockington, <laughs> called me one day. I was at work. And they, her parents are friends with the owners of Pediatrics Plus, which is a big developmental preschool and therapy clinic here in central Arkansas. Um, I think now they own probably. 15 to 20 clinics across Arkansas. So it's a big clinic now, but back then it was pretty small. They were looking for someone who worked or would work the front desk in their Little Rock clinic that had just opened up. So they only had two clinics at that point. So I started working there. Um, and that is when I found out what occupational and speech therapy and physical therapy was. Um, and it was a pediatric therapy setting. And it was at that point when I decided I was not going to do rad tech and I decided to do um, more undergraduate work for speech therapy. Yeah. And then I applied to the master's program and didn't get in <laughs> the first time. <laughs> um, and so I have, you have to take the GRE to get in a master's program. Yeah. And I am a horrible standardized tester. Um, and I didn't get in and I, at this point I had maintained pretty good grades and that is kind of when I started finding out, Hey, I think I've got some type of learning something going on so i went and i was actually diagnosed with adhd and i did medicate at that point in college yeah and i applied i so i continued working at pediatrics plus was a referral manager there there um worked at the front desk all the things yeah and um actually which it kind of plays into later life but i when i worked in little rock they were looking to pilot a North Little Rock clinic and I wanted to move to North Little Rock because I was driving 45 minutes to work. So I was kind of hand hand in hand with like the development of that clinic opening. Um, I got to see how all the hours went in. I got to see the billing part of it. I knew how the process for referrals worked, sending scripts, checking insurance and all of that. So that's what I did um, when I worked there. Wow. And so I continued to work there. I worked there as a speech therapy assistant. Yeah. Um, so if you don't get your master's program, you can't practice as a therapist. You can do assistant work, but it's not great in the state. You don't really want to try and do that. Yeah. But they worked with me and let me do assistant work so I could get it on my resume. And I applied the next year and I got into graduate school. Wow. So um, that is kind of how I got into the program. Um, and I will say, like, once I got into the speech therapy program, master's degree with, or master's program with UAMS, 
I realized that I was like two courses away from applying to the occupational therapy (laughs) program. And so like, I like to tell, you know, like kids these days that are looking at college, like don't let the coursework freak you out because you take it one semester at a time, you know, and like you just go your own pace. And And like they say, like the time's going to pass anyway. So just keep trucking. So fast. I mean, yeah, it took me 10 years to do a six year degree, but you know what? I got through it. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, once I got into the master's program, I, at that point I was kind of going through my, um, medication process with ADHD and I graduated the program with 4.0. When, when I was that, you know, that student in, in school that was not the bright kid, but it really, it always my ADHD. And like once I treated it, yeah, you know, and I don't treat now, um, sometimes I probably should, but yeah. I don't, I've learned how to manage it wow. and I've implemented strategies that work for adult ADHD and, you know, it, it all goes back when to kind you, of what I'm when doing. When you have yeah. a <laughs> whole nother conversation about this you and I because yeah, well, I'm pretty sure that I am undiagnosed yeah. yeah I'm pretty yeah I'm pretty sure I think as moms and I might be getting off topic here no. but this can all go in with kind of what we're going to talk about you know as a parent and, and therapy and things like that but as a mom like sometimes my ADHD is very very triggered and it it when I am set off and I'm unregulated yeah then my home is unregulated. Yeah. And as far as like stimulate, like getting overstimulated, overstimulated and like all yes. the things. So emotional regulation is a huge thing with ADHD. Um, and it comes out different ways for different people. Um, mine is like emotional regulation, un- being unorganized, and it has come out of anger Yeah, as a mom. Yeah. And I never struggled with that before, but I have noticed like – it's when triggered. Things with, are out of whack. Yeah. yeah. I'm triggered and it triggers my kids, which triggers the increased behaviors. And it's just our whole life is out of whack. And we can really go into detail on that later. But <laughs> I um, think that's a good, maybe part two. That's a good part two. Yeah. Maybe. But yeah. Um, so going back, I mean, yeah, background. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. So um, graduated with my master's in speech pathology. Um, and I went back to pediatrics class. So I, I left them while I was in graduate school. Um, and I went back to working at pediatrics plus and worked at the developmental preschool for a few years. Um, and then I ended up having a baby, went on maternity leave, came back and I came back and I signed up to do, be the clinic evaluator. Um, so I did all of the evaluations and diagnostic assessments for speech therapy at Beats Plus. Wow. Um, and then I also had training with early intervention, which is a program through the state. Um, and so I was a licensed coordinator, I think is what they're called. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and I did, what are they called? Developmental assessments. I can't remember the, the technical name, but it was developmental across the board. So when you get into a preschool, you have to have a full diagnostic developmental assessment. And so I did those also. Um, And I worked and did that for about a year. And then I realized I missed the parent involvement, the the progress and the families and the kids. And, you know, I I didn't get to see that. I love working with kids and seeing the progress. And I was missing that. So then I went back to treatment. And I was like, this is not working at that point. Lincoln was going. The other added benefit to that is he was able to go to the preschool that I worked at. So he was was there with me every day. It was a huge blessing as a working mom, you know, 
And I think the other thing to add is like, I kind of was go, I, my whole college career and graduating and starting my career, it was kind of in the whole new boss mom era. Yeah. Which is kind of like going away right now. Um, and I was always like, I am going to get a degree and I'm going to work and I'm going to be a working mom. And this is going to be my identity. And this is what I want to do. I don't want to stay home with my kid. Yeah. You know, and that I was in that full blown, like boss mom. Yeah. Um, era. And it was not working. Girl, I remember that. It was not working. I did the same exact thing with Julia. Yeah. I really did. Like I went back at like seven weeks. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was seven or eight weeks. I went back and Hunter actually had the car lot then. Yeah. And he legit was like, I was pumping, going down the road, pumping. (laughs) He was giving the milk to Julia at the car lot. It was, it was crazy, but and you put on this facade, like, you know, like, oh, I'm successful. I've got this going I can for do it me. all. Yeah. yeah. And you know and what? And then your ADHD hits. <laughs> it was a train wreck. It was a train wreck. So Lincoln was born in 17, and he he had a lip and tongue tie. He had a dairy intolerance. He had lots of issues starting out and was a very fussy baby. He woke up every two hours for the first 13 months of his life. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we were getting no sleep. We had to be there by 8.30 at the latest. Um, Alex was working full time. Um, so all the things. All the things. It My whole world just started to flip upside down. You know, like what I knew is like, this is what I do. This is my life. Everything just kind of switched. And it was not working. And I thought switching my schedule would work. Well, that was not working. I was not happy. But at that point, well, it's all coming back. <laughs> at that point, um, you know, we had our little group of girls and I was kind of the only one working full time and being a mom and doing all the things. And I remember thinking, well, I mean, this is what I want to do. Like, I've got this, you know? Right. And um, it... I was not happy. I had horrible, 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 undiagnosed postpartum depression. Yeah. Um, and it, it was, it was so bad, which, you know, we, his baby stage was a difficult stage. And so I sympathize right. with moms that go through that, but working on top of it on no sleep and the baby has no sleep and dad has no sleep and you know, all the things. So anyways, all that to say that, um, all my friends, I just feel like I couldn't connect with anybody. And I remember thinking you felt alone. I felt so alone. And I was like, who can I talk to yeah. in our church that has a degree and who is practicing, you know, with their degree and who has kids and they're making it work because this is not working. Yeah. And this, but I, I looked forward to, and this is a vulnerable moment. Um, but I'm not ashamed to admit it. Um, I look forward to the moment that I could wake up and drop Lincoln off and go to work. Because it was a moment of peace and quiet for me. Right. Um, But then, you know, I didn't get home until like 4.30 or 5. And then that's the fussiest part of the day with kids. And it's just like it was a vicious cycle. A vicious cycle. And, you know, Alex and I, we really were in a happy place. And then after, you know, kids, they just throw a a whole new... Everything, everything on top changes. of everything, <laughs> and then you have no time together. Nothing. And then on top of all that, no sleep, so you're exhausted all the time. It, yeah. It was rough. So we were going through some moments, and um, I remember sitting down with my pastor, and we all sat down together because it, it was, we were struggling, 
and he told me he was like, "I think you're doing too much." And I was like, "There's no way I'm doing too much." He was like, "I think no, you're doing I too got much." This. I promise. And I got this. He was like, "You cannot manage being a mom and a wife and working full time." And I was like, "Well, there's no way that I can back off work." And he was like, "You need to back off." And I was like, "I don't want to. Like that's my identity." Right. And he, I will never forget, because he looked me dead in the face and said, "You were wrong." And I was like, "Oh, okay." You know, like in that moment, I was like really taken back and. He was like, you're wrong because, like, biblically, your identity is as a wife and a mother. And work comes after all that. And my priorities were completely switched. Wow. And so I, after that, you know, we had to work. Was that hard to swallow, honestly? It was so hard to swallow because, like, I had a leadership role in a very well-known clinic and I loved what I did. Yeah, and you didn't... I didn't want to leave it. You, you know, like I thought, that. I thought the other issues needed to be fixed, right. not me. Like I didn't think that I was part of the problem. Right. And, and so, um, I just remember after that, like praying and thinking, you know, God, if it is your desire and your will for my life for me to leave and focus more on motherhood, give me that desire because I have no desire. I can tell you where I was sitting. Oh I was. We were having lunch. I, you might have been there. I don't. I don't know. It was our whole group of friends. We were having lunch for somebody's yeah. birthday at Suzuki's. I had run. I, it was during a, a work day, and I was on lunch break. I ran, and that y'all didn't have a lot of time. Lincoln was still at school. They all had their kids, and my kids at daycare. And I'm like, he was. He may have been two at that point, one and a half, something like that. And I was like, whoa, I do not have my kid. They all have their kids. I feel like such a trash mom right now. And I literally text Alex in that moment. I said, I want to quit. I want to leave. Like, I want to stay at home with my kid. Yeah. And that was a new thing for me. And within, he was like, okay, well, we'll make it work. You know, financially, I I had a big salary that was contributing for us at the time. And it was a big step. So we've got to figure out life, you know, but if this is what my family needs, I'm going to, we're going to make it work. Wow. And within two months I was gone. Wow. And I had, which it's almost like your mind. It's like when you start thinking about it and you finally, it's like your mind finally catches up and then you're just like, you're, that's where you're at. Oh yeah. I mean, it was, it's happening. Prayer goes a long way because like I did not have the desire, but that was God's will for my life. Yeah. It is his will for you to be a wife and a mother. Wow. And not prioritize work, which is like, I feel like social media has done such a disservice 100%. in the past 15 years with boss mom. And I, I think things are shifting now. And yeah. I, I love that. Um, and I've since, you know, in the past six years, I've come full circle and just, I see that balance and the importance of it. Yeah. Um, but you can't get there if you're not willing to to pray and seek guidance, you know? So at this point I had decided to go contract, which is where you work however many hours you want to with a company. So kind of like 1099. Exactly. It is a 1099. And so, um, it was a big change, but you make more money per hour then you do salary, but then you have to be able to take your own taxes out. And then you have to be able to have someone that has insurance, you know, all the things. Right. We were blessed to be able to sort that out and make that work. This was February, 2020, 
2020. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) When I decided to leave. And so I was like, you know what? This is going to be great. Thank you, Lord, for sending me this direction. I signed up with a company and, well, actually before that, I had interviewed with several different companies and I met one lady and we had a heart to heart. She was a very small, new contract company. And we, she was like, this is, you know, God sent you to me and all these things. Well, ultimately I ended up going with somebody else because I made significantly more at the other company. Um, and started working 20, February, 2020 within like three weeks of me traveling to see all these kids at daycares and houses and all the things COVID hit. Oh my goodness. And you couldn't. And I went from billing, you know, like, I don't know, 15 hours, Contract work is a lot different than 15 hours at a front desk job. So anyways, everything shut down. And if I don't work, if I don't see patients, I don't get paid. (laughs) So I went from a full salary, full-time salary in February to like no salary (laughs) in March. And I was like, Lord, what in the world is going on? (laughs) Um, He told you. He's like, you will be a mama. (laughs) it, It was a mess. And so... Um, we had to learn telehealth and we were doing therapy sessions online and it was just, it was a time, you know, and, but I got to spend so much time with Lincoln. He was two and a half, two, between two and two and a half. And which is like a fun age, you know, they started to want to do all the things. And so we had a grand old time and I fell in love with motherhood and I feel like I found myself again started kind of climbing out of that hole and you know looking back a couple years down the road like god knows what he's doing you know in my mind i was like this is awful we have no income i didn't qualify for all the covid funds that they were putting out right even for like the healthcare workers even though i am a health care worker yeah and they had all these funds i didn't qualify for them because the way i was working i don't even remember all the ins and outs Anyway, so that was interesting, um, but got to focus on being a mom, and I loved it. And I, my personality, I'm very much, if I was not in what I'm doing now, I would be the homesteader, I would be the gardener, I'd be the baker, I'd be the Susie homemaker. You know, that's just me. That's what I enjoy doing. Anytime (laughs) that we have a girls thing, everyone knows the first dish you're going to is Amber's because it's going to (laughs) be the best one for sure. You're very talented. And all the artsy things, you really are. Well, it's just, I guess. It's a gift. Food is my love language. (laughs) So, Anyways, so I got to experience being, you know, that again, and that was a lot of fun. Um, And in that time, I started talking with Madeline Bourne, who is another girl in our church. She's also a speech therapist. Um, We worked shortly together at Pete's Place, and then she went on somewhere else. And anyway, she was working with Calvary Academy and helping Brother Pomeroy, um, with some of the kids at our school that were struggled learners and they were trying to get a system in place um, to help our kids get resources that they needed. And at that time they were contracted out or I shouldn't say contracted out. They were getting services through the public school system and um, public school was coming in and treating kids once a week on Fridays. Wow. So at this point I'm still, uh, I think there was still a daycare open 
that I could go to. And I ran into the first lady that had offered me a job. Remember, she was like, and she was really sweet. Yes. But really sweet. Like this is a God thing. Well, I just ended up having a conversation to her with her and telling her kind of what I was doing to help the school. And I had actually reached out, um, to the contract company that I was working out or working with and asked them, Hey, could we contract with Calvary Academy? And I could be the one that provides the therapy services, you know, at the school. And they were like, yeah, this is great. You know, we'd love to do that because I just got them a referral base, right. you know, a whole contract. Yeah. And so I ran into the lady that I had offered me the first job and I told her kind of what I was doing. And she was like, girl, you need to be doing that on your own. You need to be an independent um, provider. And I was like, well, how in the world do I do that? And she was like, well, let me tell you, here's how you get started. And you guys, she owns now her clinic is a very successful clinic in Sherwood. Um, she's up and coming and she's telling me how to start a clinic. Wow. Gave me all the ins and outs, how to apply for a provider application with insurance and Medicaid and all the things. And so I was like, okay, here we are. This was spring 2020. And by July, I had my provider application approved through Arkansas Blue Cross Blue Shield um, and Arkansas Medicaid. And you started your own And I started my own business. I was still working contract with the other company, but kind of fading that out and trying to figure out how am I going to get out of this because I said that they could have this contract. So there was like some legal stuff, you know, um, that I was worried about, but I spoke to a lawyer and we got all that sorted out, got the whole business set up and this lady has continued to help me all through the way. And I, do you remember the message I was preached about like the Hiram in your life? Oh my she was my Hiram, you guys. And we, she has continued to be the Hiram in my life. We have a group of Arkansas therapy providers that we now have all come together and we bounce questions off of each other, like almost every day. And it's just, it's crazy how the Lord uses people that you had, I had no connection to this lady right. and I didn't take her job offer. Yeah. And then she comes back and she tells me how to start a business. It was like God kept knocking on your door literally, and then orchestrated <laughs> literally perfectly. So it's so crazy. And you know, another, this kind of backtracks to when I was in graduate school, I did everything I could to not have a school placement in my clinical work because I was set and determined that I was not going to work in the school system. I did not want to work in the school system. I was a, I wanted to do medical speech pathology. I really wanted to work at the NICU and do feeding, and feeding is really kind of my passion. So full circle, you know, the Lord's like, hey, you know, why don't you step into Calvary Academy and try and help these kids? Right. And so I was like, okay, you know, what is going on here? And that summer I started seeing a few kids that just, I actually were seeing them through the other clinic, and then they came to me and I was like well will you be willing to just let me see them on the side and it just you know in that moment I was like how am I going to come up with a few literally like a handful of thousand dollars that I needed to buy the assessments to start you know yeah I was like how am I going to afford to do all of that and it's just I I had no seed money none wow and I just started and bought a few things here and there and by September I was up and running and I quit my other contract job and went from zero to 150, probably really fast. Wow. Um, and I was in my mind, I was like, I'm just going to do this on my own. And 
I eventually added another speech therapist, one of my very good friends. And then I was like, we really need occupational therapy. So then I added another occupational therapist. And and so now you're at nine. Well, yeah, yeah including office staff too. So I, there's six therapists that work under me, master's degree. Like, and I, you know, I felt so inferior to all these business owners and things because I was like, how am I going to get somebody to come work for me? You know? And the first occupational therapist, that's what was really daunting to me because I knew all the speech therapists, but OTs are a little hard to come by. And I worked, the contract company that I was working with, I worked with her and met her at a daycare setting. And her name just kept coming to mind. And I did a 52 day fast and I was fasting for an occupational therapist and her name just kept coming to mind. And finally one day I just was like, okay, I'm just going to suck it up and I'm going to ask her. And she like started crying and she was like, I would love to do that. And she signed on with me. So I got after that 52 day fast, I got an, an, an occupational therapist. And then following that every single therapist that has been added to my clinic has been through a 52 day fast oh my goodness (laughs) and the last 52 day fast I did I was just fasting for another OT because one at that point I I had two I lost one she moved and I was struggling and so I did that and in that 52 day fast I had three speech therapists I wasn't even looking for a speech therapist but I needed one because my load was too heavy three speech therapists contacted me within days of starting this fast contacted me I didn't even reach out to anybody and sent an OT to me like I didn't even like advertise or anything and so so the favor of God has just 100% wrapped you up 100% and I think it goes back to that moment in my I feel like a pivotal moment was that I listened to what my pastor told me to do even when it was hard when it was hard and I didn't agree you know and I that is a vulnerable moment because you never want to admit that you're the problem to something. No, I get that. And it's like he had, God had such a different plan for my life. And just, I, it, it's, it blows my mind, you know? And so, oh, full circle. <laughs> so that kind of gets you up to speed with how I, I am where I am now. Yes. You know, and. You and know. let's just. We're going to, in the business season, I would love to have you come back on. We've talked about this um, and just get into more of the details of, of all of that as well. But that's, I don't know, I guess that's pretty much it though, wasn't yeah. it? I mean, that was kind of a really long background, but no, you know, it kind that, of all plays in play because the whole, you know, like I like to talk about the ADHD and the learning in school and then I like to... And how it interlocks with all of it. Yeah, it just, things. you know, that's how a testimony is. It just all kind of comes hand in hand. <laughs> well, let's just do a whole entire thing. <laughs> Y'all can just listen to it on your own in parts if you want. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so from here, tell me, like, what a day looks like for you when you come to, to work at the CA school, yeah. at our church school. Yeah, so it's really cool. In the last three years, um, we've been able to kind of the the program has changed significantly now we have um the therapy program which is what I'm running in the therapist under me and then we have the literacy intervention which is Kelly Beard and that was added about two years ago and then Elise Looper has been added this year and she's kind of coordinating everything um between all of us and they all they both have their master's degree in different forms of education right right and so we all work together on a referral based system between the teachers and the parents and we go in and we screen kids 
and a screener is just a few minutes. It's um, one-on-one with the kid typically uh, just to see if further evaluation is needed. And so once we're doing a screening, sometimes we might screen the whole classroom depending on what grade they're in. Um, or we might do one-on-one if we think there needs to be, you know, more to look at. And then we send home information to the parent, parent contacts us, and then we start the referral system. These kids are referred to us based off of like, if they're struggling in any area in the classroom. So, um, we've really not just academic, it could be behavioral as well. Correct. Yes. And so across the board, a lot of times in school age, like K-5 and up, you're going to see more, um, educational needs and behavioral needs and sitting in the chair but those can all be more than just quote-unquote dyslexia which is what has been happening um prior to to us being there and kind of having all these resources um and so we're really wanting to get a whole picture of the kid rather than just oh they're struggling with reading well what is causing them to struggle with reading. And that's where therapy kind of comes in. And there's a whole tiered system at like where they fall. And so having the different areas to look at is what we're doing. So we're, it's a kind of a whole child diagnostic view. And then we put them in the services that they need. Um, Okay. So just being fully vulnerable mom here. Um, And this is kind of why you were always on my list to because this is something that I know that is not normally talked about. People don't normally, I don't know, there's kind of like a taboo around developmental delays. There's um, moms that are in denial or they think that their kids will just, you know, grow out of it. They'll be fine. You know, I did that when I was younger. I said the same exact thing. So Jack, um, full vulnerability, he is three. But he definitely has some speech uh, delays. Mm-hmm. I would say delays in the fact that he uh, trades out letters. I mean, you know, just like how a kid talks and they, you know, figure it out. But he is about to turn four in June and he still says TD tat or <laughs> yeah. what was it? Like all the D's for the F's and the T's. Um, yeah, he, he can't say his can't C's. can't say K's and yeah. C's and G's. Yeah. And so Amber, <clears throat> um, they did, Amber, you were able to um, evaluate him for me. Screen, and, yeah. Yeah, screen him for me. And I get the paper in the mail and, um, you know, with all of it, not, not in the mail, I get the paper in his school stuff coming home from school. And I was just like, yeah, you're right. I've heard that, you know, but in my mind immediately, I was like, I literally remember not being able to say my, you mm-hmm. know, my K's or my, my C's and, and now I'm able to, but obviously I did have some struggles like with, um, like you said, like regulation, all of these things that kind of interlock and go together. Mm-hmm. And I think back and you know, I wonder if, if I had some early prevention, if I had been able to, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. go even further, or yeah. do better. And so in my mind, when I got that with Jack, it was immediate, it, like it truly was immediate denial mm-hmm. in my mind. And I'm not going to lie. There still is a little bit of that, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I do believe that if there's any type of possibility that I can help him succeed even more early on which is a big thing with you guys 
um, then I'm going to do it because I want him to have all the tools that he needs, you know, to do it. So you win. I'm taking him and he's going to start next week. <laughs> but yeah. So here's the, I, I like to hear like perspectives, you know, from parents because for me and, and working in any field, you it's going to be callous. magnified. Well, yeah. you get callous to the need, you know, because this is what we do on our every day, day in, day out. So to us, it's like no big deal. Right. But to a parent, when somebody's saying, hey, your child's not doing X, Y, and Z, that's kind of sometimes viewed negatively. You get um, defensive. You get defensive and I... Mama bear comes out. Mm, yeah. yeah. I want, Yes. And I have lots of moms later, like, I'm so sorry, you know, like, I'm having a hard time accepting this. But, like, mom to mom, like, I try and tell them, like, it is okay. I have this conversation every day with parents. Yeah. You know, like, it. it's my job to tell you, you know, there's red flags for your kid that's having some speech language delays or fine motor sensory delays. Um, and why is this important when we're two and three and one, two, three, four, five? Why is it important? preschool you know yeah because we know research has shown us that those kids that struggle with development and they're not meeting those developmental milestones even though it seems minuscule in your mind because you see it day in day out and you you know you're busy you're a busy mom you're not too worried about it's not that big a deal right when they get to school if it is unaddressed if a speech and language delay or a fine motor sensory delay has not been addressed by the time they're five it will manifest nine times out of ten into educational delays. And that could be reading. It could be attention and focus and ability to sit and attend and have, if your sensory system is out of whack, you don't have the coping mechanisms to um, sit through class. And so then it becomes that you're the bad kid in the classroom and he's just lazy because he's not doing work, but then your sensory system's out of whack or... Yeah you know, you've got some developmental delays, speech language delays going on, and you can't process the information that they're giving you. So you lay your head down and you don't attend in the classroom. And so there's so many things. It snowballs. And so the gap to close that gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger every year that it goes unaddressed. And so, yes, he may grow into doing his K's and G's on his own, but what has he not fixed or what in is the meantime, conti- yes. what has been lost? What's been lost, and you know, we're doing a skill. We're 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 gaining a skill at four years old that should have been fixed at two years old. Yeah, we have a two year gap in that, so then we have a two year gap somewhere else. Wow, is kind of how it happens. Yeah, it doesn't happen for every kid, but that's why we do screenings, and that's why we're trying to screen kids younger and younger at Calvary Academy because you know we've never had this resource. It's something new. I do feel the pushback from parents a lot, but you know, why wouldn't we want to give our kids the intervention they need if you have the insurance to cover it, if you have the financial means to meet that? Why? I mean, therapy is not going to do any harm to a child. Absolutely it's play. Not. It's play base. Right. They love. They beg to go upstairs. All of them do. Yeah. And so, um, we're trying to close that gap earlier and earlier because what we have seen kind of traditionally in the past is that kids are getting to third grade third grade is like a hot topic because you go from learning to read to reading to learn in third grade so learning to read yeah and once you hit third grade you're reading to learn the information yeah so if you get to third grade and you're not reading fluently you are drowning wow and so all those kids a lot of kids get identified as strugglers 
in third grade. At that point, nine times out of 10, we, those kids needed intervention early, early, early on, were developmentally delayed, had speech milestone, delayed milestones, other issues going on, but because they were unaddressed or quote unquote, they're going to grow out of it. Yeah. Now it just looks like a learning delay. Wow. Okay. And so if we close that gap with early intervention, right, you can potentially avoid that. Yeah. And not struggle in school. That makes sense. You know, because <laughs> the older the kid yeah. gets, the less they want to be pulled out, the harder it is to pull them out. Yeah. Because they're missing more classwork. Yeah. You and know? it becomes even more noticeable the older they get. It becomes yeah. even more of a taboo or, right. a, you know, and it, we shouldn't no. talk about this like they're bad kids because it's not. I mean, this is obviously extremely common. It's extremely common. It's yeah. how people are unique and mm-hmm. different in their own ways mm-hmm. and how God made us and different things. And so... I don't know. I'm just, I'm, it was hard at first. Yeah. <laughs> but when you explain it like that, that makes a ton of sense, yeah. especially um, just closing that gap and making sure that there's nothing else that's lost behind while they're catching up. Right. Kind of thing. And it's one of those things too. It's hard to see if you're not in this and that's not what you do. Like it's hard to see. It's a preventative thing. I mean, yeah essentially not really because we're already fixing something right but it is a preventative for later down the road absolutely and a lot of people don't like to do preventative things kind of like with healthcare, you know oh, no. <laughs> kind of like why are healthy diet. yeah <laughs> yeah no, so, i get that I get but that. you know i mean it's it's really cool and i i've been i just want to say this because i would not be able to do any of this if i did not have the blessing of Sister Candy Holmes and Brother Pomeroy and Pastor. You know, like they have given me a room at the school to be able to provide these interventions and work with the school. And it's just, I was thinking yesterday, like in tears, like I could never, a question came up from a friend about getting credentialed with insurance and things like that. And I was just telling her, you know, it is very stressful. It is a lot of work on the business side. Um, and she asked me, she was like, well, is it worth it, you know, versus working somewhere else? And I said, 100%, because oh, yeah. at our church, we function, you know, in our school, we have, uh, we are a bubble. It's and a I'm whole culture. Thank- it's a culture, and I'm thankful for that bubble. And I'm able to work in my passion. You know, I think Pastor talked about it, not last night, but maybe it was Sunday night, about using your gift and your passion for his works and for I know kingdom. and I know that that's what where God has put me because I'm able to be a mother and be home a few days a week but work on the church's schedule and Calvary Academy's schedule and still go to all the events wow. and all the functions you know and I get to help and treat and work with my friends babies that's amazing you know like you there could not be a better situation honestly <laughs> It's so amazing just to think back at how in the beginning you were like, it was so hard for you to take that and say, you know, well, surely there can't be anything better than this. You know, you remember that meme where it's like Jesus has a teddy bear behind his back and the little kid looks, yeah. what is it? Like, yeah, it looked like Jesus had taken something away from him, Mm -hmm. but he had something even bigger and better for you. So I'm just, I'm so happy for Amber. That's so amazing. I'm just to think back and, and remember all the stress and all the hard times that you went through. It seems like that a lot. Like God just orchestrates everything 
into becoming what he what his will is yeah for our lives so wow yeah this is good okay okay so going back just a tiny little bit just to help moms out there who may have that tiny little niggling one worry or wonder in their mind of if something may be off with their own children can you speak more towards your personal experience in how you being in this industry um, but also having your own children at the same time as well and how that experience has been for you yeah I I do think I said this just this week to some of the therapists like being a therapist is a blessing and a curse (laughs) because I analyze everything that my children do Um, and I'm constantly like okay is this a problem is this a problem is this a problem you know and so like I think as moms like I don't know. You tell me. No, already. You tell me. (laughs) Just as being a mom alone, you're constantly on the lookout for like, is this normal? Is his eyes (laughs) off? You know? And then like being a therapist on top of that, I can imagine that there are some pretty, you know, and a lot of analyzing going on. A lot of analyzing. And so like, I mean, do you feel like, like, you know, you mentioned with Jack, do you feel like you kind of knew something was going on? I mean, when he started saying, look at that titty tat. I mean, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you yeah. immediately could tell as far as, like, speech. Now, of course, he is three. He is extremely hyper. Yeah. But in my mind, still, as a mom, I feel as though, you know, this is just a little three-year-old boy yeah. being a boy, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, like, if there's anything that I can help him do yeah. um, to be, you know, successful in any way then of course I'm on board. Yeah. And that's the beauty of like screenings, you know, because yeah. he's in K2, K3. K3. Yeah. And so, you know, not every kid's going to start the K2, K3 program. So I won't be able to see all those kids, but like it, it's a, it's great that we can catch on that early because we can hopefully prevent later on. But like, I feel like as a mom though, you kind of know, eh, yeah. Maybe not typical at some point, maybe not typical, but it's fine. It'll be, it's cute. You know, I'll yeah. grow it. Um, and then I don't know, do, do, do moms like first kids are different. You know, I feel like we have a higher standard for first kid. Absolutely. But then you start having more and you're just like, oh, they're fine. They won't grow it. But, um, I do feel at some point you get to that and you're like, okay, something might be a little bit off. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's an intuition, right? It is. That's usually where your primary care physician comes in hand. Like right. you should be discussing that, but honestly, they kind of leave those things up to, to moms, yeah. you know? And so there is that fine line of like, is this, are we still within a typical range for our age? Right. Right. And so anyways, going, going back to Lincoln, I, you know, being a therapist as a mom, I'm constantly analyzing my children and he was the difficult baby. And I always knew that he had some type of sensory need. Um, just I, as an infant, I had to bounce him on a a yoga ball to get him to sleep for hours. I would count the hours in the day that he didn't cry Wow. versus the other way, you know, like he cries. Don't talk about that. No. And so you probably felt so alone. (laughs) I was losing my mind. And so, you know, I knew, I remember having conversations with some of the therapists at work, like what is going on? And, you know, they're telling me, well, he's a little too young when he gets to be this age, it's about three you know, you may, if it's still going on, look into it. And so there's different assessments than therapists can give. And so once he hit three, 
we were kind of having some emotional regulation issues. Like some of our meltdowns were extended and they would go on longer than I would expect a meltdown to go down. And I feel like any mom would be able to gauge this is normal. This is not normal when I can't console my child, you know? And so I often felt like such a failure because I'm like, what am I doing wrong? And as a therapist, I do lots of one-on-one with my kids because, you know, I don't know know any different. I've tried all of the um, timers and the visuals and the schedules and I've tried all these things. You knew all the textbook stuff. Oh yeah. I knew all the textbook stuff and I'm not an occupational therapist. I'm a speech therapist, but I, I've worked with them hand in hand and I'm like, you know, I've tried all the things that's not working. So I, we were struggling in daycare, um, or not daycare. We were struggling in the K2, K3 program. And so I finally got the occupational therapist to evaluate him and he had a lot of sensory needs. You know, another thing is he was a super picky eater. He couldn't sit down and eat a full meal. Um, it was just constantly up and down, up and down, up and down. And there is that line where this is, it is interrupting our little world. Right. It's impacting us enough that we need to get some help. And so he's been in occupational therapy since he was three and he's six, yeah. you know? And so I try and tell parents all the time, I practice what I preach. I yeah. would not recommend something to you as a friend or you know, all, all my people, even if I don't go to church with them, they're still my friends right? <laughs> because I'm working with your child. I'm working with your baby. Yeah. It's a close relationship. And you've come to me and you're asking me for help. And you know, I, I would not give, I would not recommend something that I would not do for my own child. And therapy over the last 20 years has, you know, gotten a, a lot more speed because when we were kids, um, looking back, I have all those sensory, like I, it's the ADHD part of it. And so a lot of times ADHD goes hand in hand with sensory needs. Yeah. And that is, all of it was interlocked. All of it was interlocked. And like, I used to lick car seats. Oh my God. Like car seats. Like my mom had Camry and I would lick the seats. They were kind of like fuzzy. Because it was a sensory. It was a sensory input that I needed. I would cry anytime my mom would put tights on me or like those itchy slip things. Oh no. I would sob. And I like, no, I, Julia, did you do Julia does that every single, it's a whole yeah, sensory thing yeah, with her yeah. as far as like the cutest dresses and she will cry yeah. if, if it's something well, is there like, you, go. you want I me know. screener? Girl. You said, oh, damn, the bathroom. My whole family, that's up. <laughs> so there's like, there's so many different areas that we do and it's hard to like sit here and just cover all of them. Yeah. But like, thankfully, like I had that knowledge to be able to get uh, intervention for Lincoln early yeah. on. Cause you know, now now truthfully was that hard for you to to swallow to accept no i i welcomed it really because it was almost it. like a thank god this is what my yeah. my uh this is what we've been needing like all yeah. along and it was validation to me to know like once he qualified on standardized assessment okay we're not just whipping this out of the air right he qualified on standardized assessment that hey he is below the mark with his sensory system you know like social emotional regulation um sensory covers like hearing sensitivity taste sensitivity sight sound smell it it covered feel you know all your senses and so when that system is out of whack it throws your whole world upside down and so for him it looks like you know we're six now and we're in kindergarten and so I've been able to figure him out a little bit better but when I don't provide him with a consistent schedule 
Yeah. Like, I've always kind of caught flack for this as a mom, but I'm a very, very structured parent with him yeah. as far as schedule. I am not the person that's going to go eat out after church on a Sunday or a Tuesday night because no, my, kid, my kid needs sleep. Yeah. And there's also lots of study behind sleep and learning. Yes. And that's very important to me. And so if we get off of our bedtime routine, like, I mean, we do the same thing every night. 6.30, well, 5.30 we eat. 6 o'clock we're in the bathtub. I mean, obviously it's going to fluctuate with life. So, there. But yeah. for the most part, 6.30 we're reading a book. 7 o'clock we're in bed. You know, it's changed a little bit as he's aged. Right. Times are a little bit different. But we do the same routine within a 30-minute window every night yeah we do the same thing when we wake up in the morning and it's like and overall even without developmental delays children thrive off of they have to have that they have to have stronger structure function in life right and so anyways if you know I've learned that and I've implemented those things and it's still like at that point when you're doing all the things and it's still not working that's when it's a need yeah and um we've done some counseling because we have some anger issues and you know like I've I have, I want to be the mom that like gives my child the intervention or the support that he needs as early as possible so that he feels successful in his world. Absolutely. Because growing up, not having any of those supports, like I felt like a failure in the classroom a lot. I see that. You yeah. know, I can, I can, I get that as far as, and even thinking back to when we were in school, like the different kids, you know, that. Um, we've talked about this, but you know, the kids that were not always, um, they were the ones who got picked on the kids who were just a little bit abnormal or it normally would stem back to some sort of delay somewhere. Yeah. 100%. And that is like a big passion of mine too. Like with working at Calvary Academy, I've always been one for the underdog. Yeah. Always. Like I've always wanted to help those kids with needs. So, and even, even Pierce, you know, I, he is two and a half. So he's my youngest. He was a passy kid. And as a speech therapist, I should know, I should have done that. But you know, it's like, <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. Um, but I'm a mom and my whole perspective has changed. And so. Especially after you the do. first kid to the second kid, you're like, yeah. I'm surviving. Yeah, definitely survival mode. So uh, live and learn. But, you know, the passy can affect some kids doesn't affect other kids definitely direct impact on Pierce um he I probably noticed with him I mean probably a year old like he wasn't even saying the d sound or the t sound which is kind of a later sound but I mean Lincoln had it when he was probably a year um but and that's hard too comparing between siblings oh my gosh yeah that's like a whole nother thing it's a whole nother thing yeah especially one two yeah. You know, so, I mean, he wasn't saying dada at one years old. Yeah. He still does not say dada. Yeah. He says baba. He cannot say dada. <laughs> Dolly has not said dada yet. Yeah. So does she like babble? Duh, 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 duh. Can she, she do that? Does. Okay. She well, that's good. Okay. Pierce can't even do that. <laughs> I, I get you, girl. So the thing is, is like, I, I knew it was an issue. I was like, okay, well, we're just going to you know, try and work on it. Did um, you see me immediately compare in that yeah. moment though? Oh yeah. That's so natural. That. It oh. is. I know. And it's hard. <laughs> it, is. it does get easier the more you have though. Like, yeah. you know, anyways. Um, so I knew it was an issue. Couldn't for the life of me get him to say the D sound. And I was like, okay, this is fine. Funny fact. He was in a mother's day out 
last year and a company came in and screened and they were like, hey, Pierce might need an evaluation. And I said, well, lucky for you, that's what I do. And he doesn't need speech therapy. Oh, my goodness. Because I was like, I can do it. I can just, I can, you know, work with him at home. It's going to be fine. And, you know, here we are two and a half. We're still saying bye-bye. And so do you think it's a whole mom thing versus a different person? Yeah. Working with them? Oh, for sure. For sure. Because like, Like, you know how your kids will be way better for somebody else than they are with you? 100%. Like I, I cannot get him to sit down and like, I try and do some of the things that I would do with a two and a half year old that I would be working with. And he's like, uh, uh-uh, uh, I'm not doing that. Like yeah. he's running off, he's crying, he's kicking, he's screaming, you know, throwing his little toddler fit. Like right. I'm not doing that. And so that I had a, I have a kid his age that I just started working with yesterday. And the mom, she was like, how is he sitting here with you right now? Like he, I was like, he just sat here the whole time and we played, you know, we played with the choo-choo train and we played with the animals. And she was like, he does not do that for me. Like, yeah. I could never get him. And he said, like, it was his first session. He said, like, three or four words for me. And she's like, he's never said that. So it's like, I'm a mom. I have a kid that's in speech therapy because in in occupational therapy. But for my speech therapy kid, like, I I eventually did this in the last probably four months. I was like, hey, friend, (laughs) I think I might need some help. And so... I bet that was really yeah. hard for you. Well, it's funny because last summer, her, she has a daughter that's not much older. And um, we were just going to swap kids off. We were going to swap that kids because she's so like, convenient. I think she's not really talking like she should either. <laughs> and um, then, you know, it got down to the day we were going to meet up. And I was like, hey, we're not, I, I, we're not feeling great. You just want to cancel. She's like, yeah, I think I'm just going to cancel too. And so like, you know, again, do as I say, not as I do. But I eventually, know. six months down the road, when we're two and a half and we're still saying Gaga Gore, what am I saying? Is it dinosaur? Yeah. Yeah. Gaga Gore. And um, what is another thing that he says? Um, put my goo gone. <laughs> For shoe. Yeah. I want to put my shoes on. Yeah. And Dada is Baba. You know, and so it's like we're at a three and four word phrase level now like language is fine we're talking yeah my ears off but I can't understand a word he's saying and I'm frustrated he's crying it's frustrating you know and as moms our brains are wired to be able to figure out what they're saying because we have our brains have learned the patterns that they're using to replace different sounds yeah they're going to be more intelligible to us than they are to somebody else right and so the goal is to make them successful communicators outside of mom because right. Alex can't even understand. He's like, you owe me a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the thing is a lot of times kids that are in the classroom and they are struggling with quote unquote behavior. I don't like the word behavior because a behavior, we've got to figure out what's causing the behavior. So a lot of times that could be some inattentive in the class or some overstimulation in the classroom or inability to have you don't have the skills you need to be able to participate in the classroom whether that's speech language reading sensory needs fine motor whatever that is if you can't do it you are going to shut down right it would be like me trying to give you uh, an engineering equation and i have zero yeah i mean you're just gonna quit and so those that's what happens with our kids that don't have the skills in their back pocket you know and so then they kind of sometimes can be labeled or termed as lazy or sometimes it comes out as behavior, yeah. um, like they're wild, they won't sit down. Um, but why are they doing that? And that is what we're doing. We're trying to figure out what's causing that. How can we give them the skills they need? 
how can we fix this, you know, and work on that. And so a lot of those kids have, they can be the ones that get made fun of, yeah, you know, and they don't have, again, it's not every kid, you know, it's not every situation, but you can all think about those kids in your class that got made fun of for X, Y, Z, and we didn't have the intervention that we needed and they didn't have for the those tools. kids. Yeah. It all stemmed back to something. Somewhere. Yeah. I just like looking at it as a whole. If, if I could be a positive light for some of those kids and give them the needs that they are the skills they need to feel successful yeah. and make it's a them, ministry. It is a ministry. And you know, it, I've just, it's crazy. Cause like even families that have, graduated from our church and they're not necessarily coming I'm sorry graduated from my school and they're not necessarily coming to church but their children come to our church I work with a lot of those kids you know because it could be family like um um jeans a lot of times you'll see delays Yeah. yeah and so um I work with a lot of those families and if I could just be that positive light to that backslider yeah you know, because a lot of them in the situation, like, thank you so much. And like, this means so much to us. And, wow. you know, what if, what if their kid graduates and they stay in school, you know, and yeah. they, because they got the supports, I'm, I'm not speaking like I'm no, Jesus or anything, but I no, feel like that is, so. you know, why God has put us here and why he orchestrated this whole entire thing from yeah. the very beginning. Amber, that's, yeah. Like that's full circle yeah. right there. That I mean, is, yeah. I mean, I've had like people that, or not their kids aren't even going to our school but they graduated or went to our school and they're not in church anymore and they reached out to me and you know I've evaluated their kids and it's like what if that's drawing them back because the other cool thing is that I'm using the room at the at the school and they're having to come back up to church (laughs) you know and so I mean and the other side of that is like these therapists that work for me they're not Pentecostal yeah you know they're Christian ladies and they're they support our beliefs and they're very good with you know going on our standards and things like that but we also see kids that are not connected with church or they're not connected with school but it is our outpatient room therapy base and so they're those kids are coming into our church we're bringing families outpatient ministry yeah (laughs) yeah and so we're like exposing like there was a kid that no connection with our church but they were coming to see occupational therapy for feeding and they were going to the cafe every day you know like they were getting feeding therapy in the cafe how cool is that you know such a blessing and like some of these therapists will bring their friends up here for lunch and it's just I don't know it's it's the Lord works in In ways you can never imagine that's amazing just to think about just from hearing the very beginning of your story and of how I can imagine that you look back on all of that stress and all of that heartache and all of that. And in the moments that you were there, you were probably like, why, why is this me? Why is this happening to me? Why can I not sleep? Why is my kid not sleeping? And not that it was those, you know, specific, not that anyone has to go through torture in order to have a good ministry later, but I would imagine that it's pretty comforting to know that it finally has come around to something that has made you, I can see it, extremely happy yeah. in what you're doing. And on top of it, you're literally changing children's lives. Well, 
<laughs> I don't know about that, but I would you love are. to think that. <laughs> You're going to change Jack's life. So. <laughs> we have lots of built-in besties. <laughs> lots of them. Well, I, I really... I really can't thank you enough for coming on and, and spending the time to tell to talk towards all of this. And if there was just a few things that you could possibly throw out to moms who are having those, you know, niggling doubts in the back of their mind or what are some things that they can look for or do? And I know it comes back to ages and things like that, mm-hmm. but what would you what would you say to that? What would you talk to? generally towards those moms and and encouraging them and yeah I I think as a mom like even though we shouldn't a lot of times we compare yeah our children to other children right um and your child develops at their own stage and rate yeah um but I I do think at some point we we do realize you know hey is this typical is this not typical and and especially now that we have tools. Yeah, we have tools. come a long way. Yeah. And so it's, you know, it's not doing them any harm by putting them in therapy. And, you know, on I think a lot of times when it might be that situation where, you know, we're just going to wait or we're just going to wait it out. Me. I didn't, yeah. I yeah. That. And in that, you know, sometimes those parents will come back to me and say, I'm so sorry. And I have that conversation. You know, part of our training in school is counseling. Yeah. <laughs> Um, my minor was actually in social work and we are trained as counselors because we have to navigate the parents side of it too. through this every day. Because I mean, having a kid that just can't say certain sounds is a whole different ballgame than having a kid that is like severely delayed. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I work at the school, so some of the delays that I see are not as significant as what I would see if I worked somewhere else, but I am getting more and more toddlers and things like that and I do have a handful of kids that have significant delays and it's hard like I've had lots of parents cry to me and you know they're like I'm I'm hesitant to do this but the thing that you are doing is you are giving your child the support that he needs in the moment through specific one-on-one intervention with trained licensed professionals you know and Again, it's a preventative thing, a restorative thing, um, but it's your. That is the best thing that you could do for your child when is to accept and admit and accept help, and that's really hard as moms sometimes. Absolutely, but from here, I would say probably your biggest pullback, other than denial, would be how are they going to pay for it. So would you say that most parents, most insurances cover this or how does that work? Yeah. So it can be really (laughs) like individual because everybody has different policies. Um, I accept different insurance companies and I accept Arkansas Medicaid. So there's different funding coverages, right? And so we would talk with the family about their coverage, but if you have Medicaid, typically they cover a hundred percent, um, And then if you have private insurance, we go over your policy with you. Insurance gets kind of tricky because they don't have the best coverage for therapy, unfortunately. Yeah. (laughs) They try to do anything they can. But again, depending on your policy, if you do not have Medicaid or you do not have insurance that would cover, there are options. So the state has a program for early intervention that will pay for therapy birth to three. Um, I am not contracted with them because it's kind of a hard system to navigate there are a few clinics that do work with them so So that's an option that's an option um then there is a form of 
supplemental insurance through Medicaid. It's called TEFRA, um, which is you have to qualify for it and based off of medical necessity. So therapy is a qualifying uh, medical necessity, right? Yeah. So like those are things that I would help navigate the families. Like that's part of my job is to get them the funding they need to cover therapy. It's a part of the whole process. It's a part of the whole process. Yeah. So basically call Amber. Basically. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So don't just like sometimes parents shy away when that's when funding is an issue. But I mean, we do accept private pay too. Sometimes private pay is cheaper than doing Tefra because you have to pay a premium monthly, but it, it depends on how much therapy your child's needing, time, right. you know, so it's all very individualized. Yeah. Well, I think that we have pretty much went over all the specifics that we were trying to hit and the, the goal for this podcast episode. Um, basically, at the end of the day, my goal for this was to help you see that even a professional licensed therapist who did this as her job for other students became a mom and also went through the same exact things. Developmental delays, they're very common. They can be helped and prevented early on. And through that, you're giving your kids the tools of success to continue to learn at the rate that they're supposed to be learning. So, Amber, thank you so, so much for coming on. I know that we have gone uh, a little bit longer than most episodes, but this is, there's like so much to I it. I know. You get somebody that has a passion about something that happens. Oh, but I love it, though, because I can promise you right now, it's more common than any of us moms even know, because, yeah. again, we're not going to be like... So my kid can't say his T's yeah. or his C, you know. And like it's so much more than just sound base. And it is. So, it's the overall, you know, like yeah. you said, all this, all the senses. So and pretty much I just want to hang out with your kids all day. So Aww. I want to hang out with your kids and so, not yeah. you really. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> so, um, yes, if you are local and you would like to see Amber, I'm going to put all of her information down below in the show notes. Please reach out. She's the most, the most relatable sweetest person that you could reach out to and she um, will definitely help you in all the avenues of possibly getting screenings or through all the information for Medicaid or anything like that she will help you out <laughs> because like our insurance doesn't pay either and I have to pay out of pocket for this wow yeah no and, wonder you yeah. want to do it on your own so you know it's like that's what I try and tell parents like I you've went through all of it I've you gone through it. it the denial yeah even on your own kids, the the part, the payment part of it, all of it, yeah. you get been there, been there, and yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, it's tools of success, one hundred percent, giving our kids, yeah, and they will be better off for it. Yes, and cool. <laughs> I think this was good. Okay. I, I think know. that was so good because it was so relatable. <laughs> <laughs>